0: Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, December 6th. This is episode number 227. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff, back from a brief hiatus. Hey, Jeff, how are things going?
1: Uh, They're going great, Rod. And I just have to say, um, you know, I I had a great time away and listened to last week's podcast. and And I'm certainly glad that this isn't the type of team where the starter loses his job by taking a week off, um, or, you know, Jer- Jeremy would probably be the permanent uh, secondary uh, host here. Um, yeah, so so thanks for that, and glad to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, we don't, we, we're not gonna Wally pip anybody on this show.
1: I would hate to be Wally pipped by Jeremy.
0: That would really kind of stink, but I, I (laughs) I did kind
1: of, I would never wear that off or live it down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did, uh, I did kind of make him promise to come back on. I don't know if we said that on air or not, because, you know, we've only been trying to get him on the show for two, three years. And yeah. And he he volunteered while you were out. I'm thinking, well, this is cool, but Jeff's kind of going to be mad about it at the same time. It
1: was great of him to step up. You know, he didn't have to brag about the the cornhole victory, but, you know,
0: we'll, well, we'll,
1: we'll wear that shame as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was cool having him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> since you missed Jeremy, I thought it would be cool to have another, you know, another one of our most favorite people on the show this week to kind of make up for it somewhat. Yeah, so yeah. so with us tonight is our friend Peter Jones. You can follow him at the underscore IT underscore Hedgehog. Peter's a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and appears on several other podcasts, the Average Cheese podcast, um, Unpacked GB, and he also does the UK Packers Draft Guide. And, um,
1: another guy who's far better at podcasts than I am.
0: Um, well, well, um, what can I say, Jeff? I mean, Peter, Peter's, uh, (laughs) Peter is no, no sense trying to make
1: me feel good, right? I mean, I just um, came back from vacation.
0: (laughs) Well, Peter's probably more qualified to do this podcast than I am, Jeff. So I'm not not making sure (laughs) I make you feel bad. So anyways, Peter, It's, it's, it's great to have you.
2: It's 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 really good it's really good to be here. Thank you for inviting me back on, and um, I should probably say a big thank you to Jeremy for his kind words on the podcast this week. Jeremy, I know you'll be listening. The twenty the twenty dollars is in the mail to you. I appreciate <laughs> appreciate, it, appreciate it a lot. But uh, no, it's really good to be here, Rod and Jeff. Good to hear from you. Um, looking forward yep. to it. You too, Peter. Great
1: great to great to connect with you again.
0: So we usually start this show off with talking about beverages, but um, I'm not drinking anything interesting, guys. I don't know about you. No.
2: And Peter, any kind of fancy coffee or anything tonight? No, no it's a fancy aloe vera summer berries flavor drink. Oh. Well, sounds, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm about to open it, so then I'll find out what it tastes like. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, you'll, you'll have to let us know.
2: And we'll,
0: we'll call that the, uh, the blitz beverage segment when you, when you do, when you let us there you go. So
1: I do have a story to share from my trip, Rod, that I I think Peter will enjoy as well.
0: Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that first, Jeff. That would be great.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, wife and I took a cruise, um, which we, we like to do. And, um, one morning we decided to have uh breakfast in the dining room, which we don't do very often, uh, but you can actually get a, a made-to-order breakfast down there. So,
0: hey, gets I hate yeah. to interrupt, but this just so happened to be on your birthday too, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, this was this was my birthday Tuesday, correct? Uh, so we we go into the dining room to have breakfast, and we're seated with two other couples at a, a fairly good-sized table. Um, the food, by the way, was was probably the most disappointing part of the day because the the breakfast wasn't wasn't all that great but the company was was awesome um we actually had uh two other couples who were veteran cruisers at the table with us um the one couple was a woman and her husband who are big time casino people who were sharing all their stories about how to uh, maximize the the whole casino experience and and so forth and you know get get comps and those kinds of things and they really kind of dominated the conversation but the other couple seated across from me there's a guy sitting across the table from me wearing a 49ers hat and jersey so i just struck up a conversation with him i said oh i said, you're a big 49ers fan he said well actually i played for them i said oh that's interesting so we started talking a little bit and um you know he said that it was, you know, back uh, in the 80s uh, when the 49ers won a couple of Super Bowls and didn't really know exactly who he was at that point. Right. But um, just kind of surface conversation. And as we're getting up to leave the table, uh, Jan asked him, you know, would, would it be OK if I took a picture uh, with you, you, you with my husband? And he said, oh, that'd be fine. He says, but I'll, I'll do you one better than that. He said, he looked, turned to look to his wife and said, Chantel, run up to the stateroom and grab my Super Bowl rings. <laughs> so he so his wife scurries away and we, we talked to him for a little bit and he started telling us a few stories. And she comes back with two Super Bowl rings. And, and he's obviously done this many times. OK, so. Um, so he he poses me with his two giant Super Bowl rings. Um he these uh he says that the, the his first Super Bowl ring was actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest size ever made. It was a size twenty-two. Um, he said that only lasted until Refrigerator Perry came along, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> he was actually in the Guinness book with, with the ring that that I put on my hand and put the other one on my hand as well and took some pictures with him and so forth. Anyway, uh, just got to know he and his wife really well over the course of the week, uh, just, just super nice people uh, down to earth. Um anyway the backstory is is that um he is, his name is Lawrence Pillars Peter probably recognizes the name um from Super Bowl uh, 16 um the first Super Bowl the 49ers won and then they won again Super Bowl 19 um at the well when, when um the 49ers were playing the NFC Championship game against the Cowboys that year uh you probably remember that the game was really close at the end. The 49ers scored a touchdown on what was, has come to be known as the immaculate reception. Joe Montana to Dwight Clark at the back of the end zone. And so after that play, there was less than a minute left in the game. And the the Cowboys took the kickoff and started marching down the field. Um, and so there was, you know less than about maybe about half a minute left or something like that and they were almost to um field goal range which would have won the game for the cowboys when lawrence pillars basically mauled the guard uh for the cowboys went right through him and strip sack danny white and uh jim stuckey came up with the the football and that basically uh ended the game for for the 49ers they went on to beat their the um, Bengals in the Super Bowl and win their first Super Bowl that year so quite a story um if anybody uh, wants to look him up uh, there's some amazing stuff out on online about him um and just a, a tremendous guy who I, I really enjoyed getting to know. And his wife, by the way, was, was equally gracious. And um, they spent most of the week um, just, you know, interacting with people and, and sharing his story and so forth. And um, really, really enjoyed that that uh, that meeting.
2: Very cool. Very cool. And yeah, I do remember him playing defensive end on that team. And uh, yeah, a couple of Super Bowls and yeah, absolutely spot on with that. There's a couple of plays right at the end of that NFC Championship game. One is Drew Pearson catches the pass down the middle, and I think it's running lot. I may be wrong. One of the 49er defensive backs just gets him by the jersey. Else he's gone <laughs> for, for a score. It's
1: funny you bring that up, Peter, because I watched that today. It right. was Eric Wright. And,
2: right, okay, yeah. And,
1: and you know what? Today, I think that would have probably been a horse-collar tackle.
2: Horse-collar. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> I mean, he, he just got it by, you know, by the fingernails almost. He just managed yeah. to grab through Else He's gone <laughs> and scored. And then shortly after that, yeah, pillars forces that fumble and the 49ers were on their way, on their way to a dynasty, I guess.
1: Yeah, you could call it that. The other yeah. cool thing about him is that, you know, he started his career with the Jets, um, played with the 49ers for a few years and then his last season was with the uh, Falcons but uh, how many players Peter you think can say that they were teammates of both Joe Namath and Joe Montana
2: <laughs> yeah it can't be so many, it can't be so <laughs> many. <laughs> very cool <laughs> yeah. well excellent uh, that's 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 really neat and it and it's nice when you meet somebody like that and they're you know, very friendly and all of that great stuff. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I spoke with his wife and she was she was telling me about some of the events that they've gone to. And I won't mention any names on the podcast, but she shared some names of, of some players who were not so gracious, even to her. Yeah. Um, and she said that, um, you know, that's one thing that, that Lawrence has always tried to do throughout his life is uh, share his experience because he says, you know, not everybody gets to play NFL football. He said, and and yeah. it's all about the fans. And I just thought, you know, that was that was the most genuine uh, thing about him was just his his love of what he was able to do, and his willingness to share it with everybody.
2: Yeah, that's just so neat. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot of other very fun cool. things
1: during the week, but I mean, you know, as far as football goes, that was the only fun thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, definitely a highlight and well something you'll never forget. Sure. Definitely. So yeah, very cool. And um yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh well, I'm not gonna suggest, but but yeah, Jeff Jeff has some pictures. It would be cool if you decide to post one of those pictures of those rings, Jeff. But that's completely up to you. Yeah.
2: But but yeah. Very Maybe cool. So. Yeah. Especially, yeah, especially especially as it, it was your 30th birthday as well, Jeff. My
0: 30th it's birthday. Yeah, you don't Go turn. Out, Peter.
2: Don't turn 30
0: every every day or every year. <laughs> <laughs> every year after a while, I guess you do. But yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, let's um, let's let's move into uh, some some Browns talk. And uh, now that we got the fun stuff out of the way. Uh. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really kind of disappointed that, you know, I left you in charge, Rod, and and, you know, there was a three game winning streak going on and and this is what I come back to.
0: Yeah. I, I, I admit I, yeah, I didn't do too well. Um, (laughs) You have to find another custodian next time you, you head out, Jeff. (laughs) So uh, Brown's played the, the Rams in LA and, you know, and they did what they could. They stayed out there and, Practiced out there and everything, and and uh, the West Coast was still not good to them. Um, yeah. So we're we're over the
1: West Coast this year.
0: Yeah, and it, I don't think that's unusual. Um, this this game. Um, it, what can I say? It, it, it was it was a little frustrating because um and not just because the Browns lost, but it was kind of the way they lost. Um you know, Joe Flacco starts the game. Um I don't think anybody knew for sure what we were gonna get out of Joe Flacco. Um you know, i had heard, you know, everybody saying it talking still about his elite arm and the arm strength and everything. Um, I, I thought he he threw the ball extremely well. Um, again, there were a ton of drops in this game uh, by the receivers, uh, especially. And um, you know that's not on Flacco. Um, I I really only counted two passes in this game that I thought were you know really poor choices on on his part or bad passes, and that was the interception. And then there was another one that he just really tried to thread into traffic, which ended up being incomplete, Um, you know, that just looked like he kind of forgot, um, you know, how old he was and like he was just (laughs) trying to trying to Josh Allen it in there, you know. Um, I mean, it almost worked, but I thought, man, you can't. That's not what we want out of Joe Flacco, you know. You, yeah you want you want him throwing to the open guy um, it's great if he's got the arm but but he doesn't only have the arm he's um he had nice touch on his shorter passes too um, and i'll be honest when he was quarterback for the ravens you know i saw him play and stuff but I never really watched him with any appreciation or anything because he played for the other team, you know. I always thought he was just a guy that, you know, kind of ball control, ran the ball a lot, and he could throw the ball well down the field, you know. But he's actually, um, you know, he has a good touch on his ball, um, you know, on the shorter stuff, which was pretty impressive. So
1: not bad um, for a guy who hasn't played all year.
0: No, and that that was kind of the question too. So, you know, um, how ready was he going to be? And he, he
2: seemed to be pretty ready. Yeah. So, and I uh, think that's exact. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the point. When you when you get a guy with that level of experience, but he hasn't played to come out right. there and play that well. And I thought he played well, Rod. To be honest, and yeah, yeah. Always there's always going to be one or two throws that you want back. You right. know, there's a touch of rustiness or whatever it might be. But this was a game that the Browns were in pretty much all the way through, you know, it was a one point Mm -hmm. game well into the fourth quarter. So somebody that just looks at the box score and sees the final score at 36, 19 doesn't reflect what happened last Sunday.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. Um, There's a lot of talk about the, uh, about the call on Ethan Posek for moving the ball on that third and one. Um, Some people saw it move. Some people didn't. Um, You know, as to even if it did move, should a call like that have been made, Uh, you know, at that point in the game when they just don't call that all the time? Um, And it it went from giving the Browns a third and a a yard or less to giving the Browns a third and five or six. Um, You know, to me, that was kind of that was a huge turning point in the game because I think the Browns are down eight points there. And they had converted several third and shorts on that drive already. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got, got to figure that they had a really good shot at making it there or even going for it on fourth. But um, turned out that they, you know, that's, that's pretty much stopped it. Um, and then really nothing good happened for the Browns after that. So, yeah. Would they have? Would the Browns have won the game if that call wasn't made? Not necessarily so, but I kind of felt like that call kind of robbed them of a chance to, to, to compete in the game. So,
1: so Peter, um, to, you know, this is coming from a place of you know listening to last week's podcast, and I think Rod and Jeremy complained about the officiating for about twenty of the seventy nine minutes. <laughs> um, do Packers fans? feel this same frustration i mean is this a league wide problem now I,
2: I, yeah i mean and I, and i think if you look at the packers game that, that you know, against the chiefs that just occurred on sunday night there were calls you know that you'd struggle with from both teams you know terrible both ways, calls terrible you know, calls in that game um, you know and, and 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 some of the yeah so i th- so i think i don't know whether it's whether it's um uh, how can I put this? Is it just because the, the calls are being highlighted more now or are there really more calls that, that we as fans kind of are struggling with? I I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. You know, you mentioned the full start on the center. Yeah. We've seen a few of those this season. And, and whilst the circumstances weren't the same, it, it makes you wonder whether there's a point of emphasis there because yeah. we've seen it with the Packers with, 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 with Josh Myers called on a couple of full starts where it didn't appear to move at all. Um, wow. And, and, you know, I, I know, you know, the officials, obviously they call what they see at the time that they see it. And it's, it's a lot easier watching it sitting on the couch on TV or watching it, you know, 55 times and getting it right. the <laughs> right. time. <So> yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it it's difficult. And, you know, we like to think these things even themselves out, but of course they don't because it's not about just the number of penalties, it's when they happen. You know, exactly. it's, it's one thing getting a yeah. you know, a penalty on first and ten in the first minute of the game, as it is getting one on third and one when the ball game's on the line. Right. right. Know, so so yeah, I, I think you're trying not to speak for all fans, but it just seems generally I think I think we're all um yeah, I'm trying kind of, to get our head around it, Jeff.
1: I've, I've gone off in the past about you know the NFL kind of losing credibility. Um, you know when when you see multiple replays from you know a hundred different angles and super slow mo, and you know that you've got you've got um, official commentators. You know that that they go to a rules expert, right? And and they interpret a call based on what they see and the call on the field is still different and they can't yeah. seem to come to a consensus. And it seems to me that, you know, if you look at anything from enough different angles, yeah. you're, you're going to, you're going to analyze yourself into paralysis, right? Yeah. Where, you, where you you really can't figure it out. And, and I think we've, we've gotten there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing as fans, sometimes we have difficulties with is, is we want a certain call to go a certain way. And we, and we imagine that the rule is something different to what it really is, right? That's yeah, true. Right. And we okay. may we may not yeah. like the real rule, but you know the real rule is there. You know, so <laughs> yeah, at least for this year, some, yeah, for now, so, yeah. Absolutely, it might take absolutely, us yes. eight games to learn the rule, <laughs> right? Jeez, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's like yeah, the ever-changing catch rule, isn't it? you know right. every Absolutely. every year we're not quite sure what it is and every year we don't like it but half the time we don't like it because we're not quite sure what it is right <laughs> you yeah. know or, or we're still working on what it was 2 years ago or what whatever it whatever it may be i just so. i have a hard
1: time watching a game when you know not only do i not know what the rules are but the people who are Interpreting and enforcing the rules don't seem to know what the rules are. So yeah, <laughs> that, that moving tough. target, you know, just just it makes it it makes it a frustrating experience for the NFL. And and I I, I don't think that's what they want to be delivering to the to the fans. I, I don't think they want fans frustrated with how games are being officiated and and how outcomes are being decided as a result.
0: Yeah, I th- I think. I think all anybody really wants is some form of or some type of consistency, right? Whatever the rule is, you know, try to try your best to call it the same all the time, or at least throughout the game. You know, yeah, uh, Yeah. I know different crews are probably going to call things a little bit differently, but things should at least be consistent throughout the game. And 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 there shouldn't be huge differences from one crew to another either. They yeah. should try to
2: minimize those a little bit, I think too. I, I think that one of the difficulties is when you look at some other sports, let's say soccer and cricket that we, that we play a lot over here and stuff there's very little room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, th- whereas I think in American football, particularly when you get into the land of pass interference and holding and those types of things that so much of that is down to an individual's interpretation right yeah, you know what's what's is. holding to me isn't holding to you and so uh, so i think it's very difficult to kind of you know codify that into words for 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 an official and i think from that perspective you're almost certain to have a level of inconsistencies in there because you're leaving it down to somebody's person what comes down to somebody's personal opinion yeah. right yeah Frustrating. I don't I, I, I don't I don't know what the answer is, you know, because you could say, well, we should have replay for every call, but then games would never end. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, we, nobody yeah, wants a
1: nine hour football
0: game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, we definitely don't want that. Yeah. And but. it's a bit like, you, you know, you talked about it, Rod. Sorry to interrupt. You talk, you. No, Jeremy no. talked about it on last week's podcast with with the baseball interpretation of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it it. You know, it's so much down to personal interpretation and what the, you know, what the official sees at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess you hit the nail on the head just now and last week is you don't mind the officials, different crews being different, but but each one has to be consistent within itself. Right. Yeah. If you're so going to call a low
1: strike, call it all game.
0: Yeah. 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 Don't don't change it in the seventh or eighth inning. Right. Yeah. Because that's yeah, or the fourth quarter. You know, I mean, don't change, don't change the way you're calling a football game in the fourth quarter because you decide at that point, oh, the game's close. We need to let these guys play now. <sighs> you know, that, that's just or not versa. right. Yeah. Or, or the other way around. We, we're going to call it tight now when we've been letting them play throughout. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I think there would be less frustration uh-huh. And then I think uh, going back to, and then we'll and then we'll move on. But you know, I, I saw I think it was the, um, the Packers game, and um, with with Mahomes where there was the uh, where there was the late hit, or where they yep. called the late hit out of bounds, yep. and yep. and he was he was clearly in bounds, correct? Yep. Yep. Um. And, and you just sit and you watch that, and you wonder. Because because that makes you start to wonder, OK, if it's somebody other than Patrick Mahomes is that flag thrown yeah. or if it's somebody other than the Chiefs is that flag thrown. Mm. You know, and that's where you lose that credibility.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, you know, the other players get paid, too, and their jobs are on the line. So yeah. so in that instance, you know, Patrick Mahomes is right at the first down marker. What, what are you meant to do? You're going you're gonna to hit him to stop that f- crucial first down right at the end of yeah. the game right um yeah i mean you know something like that what i would say about something like that is 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 clearly the tv replay showed that he was still in bounds yeah i i would imagine i don't you know we don't know because 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 we don't know but but i i i would imagine when the when the officials have gone back and looked at that the the day after whatever I, i i think everybody would I hope would universally recognize that that that's not the call you would make the next time it happens. I
0: would I would hope so. I would hope they're not sitting there saying yes, that's okay because of who it was, because <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, you hope they just blew the call, but it just when it's something like that, it just has kind of a an air of something's up, you know, and that's what people don't want. That's what nobody wants to see. That you want to. You want to feel like things are being called straight up all the time and and evenly. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, I don't think we went twenty minutes on it this this time, but we'll Ooh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I I thought uh, Kareem Hunt ran the ball pretty well in this game. Um, you know, he ran uh, only twelve times, twelve times for forty eight yards. Jerome Ford scored early, but he had a rough time getting going. Um, Kareem Hunt. You know he uh, he played pretty well, but the Browns really just couldn't run the ball. You know that much. Um,
1: it's been a problem all season, right?
0: It has been, um, and it, you know, and it's it's something else the fans are complaining about that Stefanski's not running the ball enough. Well, I mean, Joe Flacco threw for 254 yards too, and he was throwing the ball pretty well. So, you know, I'm and the Browns were behind a portion of this game too. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of go with the coach on this one. I think he knows what he's doing. Um,
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not as concerned with, you know, the, the volume as I am with the the quality and execution. And, you know, I, I just think our, we've lost our two tackles. Um, I think outside of a, you know, a guy here and there, the line is really not playing all that well this year. And
0: yeah, I think you're right. you
1: need to be able to run the ball when you need to run the ball. And we have not shown that we can do that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the stats for this game, and I'm not going to go through them, but the uh, the Browns, um, you know, despite the score, because most of that was scored in the last eight minutes of the game, that difference, um, you know, because the Browns were down by, down by eight, but other than that, you know, um, the larger the larger difference in the score was was kind of at the end of the game. The Browns equaled or bettered the the Rams in a lot of offensive stats in this mm-hmm. game. So it's not like the offense didn't move the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a problem with with scoring the football a little bit. I mean, yeah. you, you'd like you'd like a little bit more than nineteen points, but nineteen points isn't you know horrendous. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not if your defense
1: point, can can you know. Assert their dominance like they have at times.
0: Yeah, certainly not on the road. Yeah, they not on the road and not this week. Yeah, definitely not. So, which brings me to to a question for Peter. Um, Peter, there's there's a lot of uh, people complaining about Kevin Stefanski for one reason or another. It's usually the play calling or or whatnot, but. just want to get your perspective on on what kind of job you think he's done this season with with the injuries, which a lot of people want to accept as an excuse, but he has started four different quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, and seven and five record. Um, you know, the defense has been really good sometimes, not so good other times. You know, the offense has has pretty much been the same, you know, decent yeah. sometimes and, and awful other times. And somehow the Browns are seven
2: and five. Yeah. Right. And I, and I, and I think, I think, I think the sum to somehow being the important word in that sense, Rod, because when a team loses its, its quarterback for half the season and half the season so far, right. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, Sean Watson played in what, six games. Um, You lose one of the top, running backs in the league very early, an elite running back, right? So there's lots of good running backs, but when you lose an elite running back like that, and then you have the quarterback difficulties, DTR being injured, PJ Walker, you've gone, you know, Joe Flacco. You know, I thought Jeff was actually off practicing passing (laughs) the last two two weeks. I thought that's what it secretly was. (laughs) He's thrown with the practice squad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good at two yards, Peter. Because it kind of feels like <laughs> it. Kind, it kind of feels like it's next man up at quarterback. It could be Jeff. It could be Don Strock. It could be Vinny Testaverde any week, <laughs> right? right? <Yeah>. And <laughs> and I I just you know I think that there's very few teams in the NFL where they're going to win consistently with a backup quarterback, right? And that's not even talking about getting to the third or fourth string quarterback. I don't think there's many teams that would, you know, take Patrick Mahomes out of Kansas City. Take, I don't know, take my team. Take Jordan Love right now out of the Packers. Take, you know, uh, Goff out of the Lions. whichever Take Lamar Jackson out, out of Baltimore, whatever it is. How many teams are going to win consistently without their number one quarterback? Because there's a reason those guys are the number one quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, I think Stefanski, from the outside looking in, you guys will know a lot more detail and have a lot more feeling about this across the season. But I think from the outside looking in as a generalization, to be seven and five with that level of struggle, if you like, at the ultimate position and having lost Chubb as well, I think he's really good if I'm really, if I'm really honest with you. And I saw a poll that somebody ran on Facebook, a bit of a fun poll a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was, it was about Kevin Stefanski and it was um, something along the lines of, would you want Kevin Stefanski as, as the head coach of your team if he was no longer the head coach of the Browns? And I don't remember the uh, the poll numbers but it was significantly positively yes. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so so I think the gut feeling from perhaps non-Browns fans, and, I, and and I accept that was just one one poll that somebody put up on Facebook. But I think the there's a, a very strong positive feeling about Kevin Stefanski, certainly from outside, you know, the Browns community. Yeah.
1: Here, here's what I like about him, Rod, um, and and. Going back to what Peter was saying about you know having uh, an elite quarterback, right? That that's what differentiates the elite teams, the you know the, the championship type teams from everybody else, from the average teams. You know, if you have if you have an average quarterback, you have an average team. If you have an elite quarterback, you've got a really good chance of having an elite team, right? So that's really kind of the main reason the Browns went and got Deshaun Watson was the chance to move from being an average team to being an elite team. Um, but, but failing that, Kevin Stefanski has, I think, demonstrated in now almost four full seasons that if, if it's just an average team that you're looking for and you're playing any old quarterback, the quarterback in his system really doesn't matter. You know, he's, he's played enough different guys and utilized them enough different ways and gotten maximum ability out of enough different guys. That I think it's shown me that, you know, unless he's got that elite quarterback, he's going to give you an average team with no matter who plays quarterback, and he's going to probably do a pretty good job with that guy, right? He's going to he's going to frustrate the fans at times, but that's based because of the limitations of that quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead,
2: Peter. Sorry, no, I was just going to say, what's I mean, what's the general feeling amongst? Browns fans, the Browns community, about the job that Kevin Stefanski is doing. Uh, there, there's a
0: split. There, <laughs> there I, always is. Yes. <laughs> there is always a split. There, there are. There's your faction that thinks that if you know, regardless of of what personnel are available to play, that if Stefanski, you know, and I'm going back to the beginning of the season, that that if this team doesn't make the playoffs, he should be fired no matter what and then there is there is the faction that that um you know likes kevin and um you know wants to see him continue to grow and and uh you know and you know just can kind of see the fact that the browns are are better when they have some stability i think
1: well oh, that 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 just like Peter says that that recognize that we've got a pretty doggone good head coach here
0: that that too, yeah.
1: that is able to plug players in even when he loses Pro Bowl type players and get pretty darn good efforts out of them. But for me, the biggest thing is is that he's got player buy-in you know, that, that all yeah. of these guys are bought in and, and you know, he is the calm uh, CEO type leader. Of this team, and, and everybody, you know, they don't get too high, they don't get too low, and they just keep coming coming back from adversity. But Peter, there there is an, another faction of our fan base that that feels that um, Andrew Barry never should have traded Josh Dobbs. He should have known that Josh Dobbs on his second team after he left here was going to suddenly turn into the reincarnation of Johnny Unitas, and you know, if we'd have just kept. Um, Josh Dobbs, we'd, we'd be going to the Super Bowl this year, and they want Andrew Barry fired for that egregious move. Uh, so <laughs> this just tells you where we're coming from. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, people that, yeah. I I don't know what you can say about people that think that Andrew Barry hasn't done a good job, um, and that or that being a general manager in the NFL is an easy job, you know, where... Where you can be expected to get every move correct.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, exactly right. The, the, the other thing for me, and I know this is difficult, I think, for us as fans to sometimes deal with or accept, but but when you get a new GM, when you get a new head coach, we we accept that players, you know, in their first year, their second year, their third year, are generally going to get better. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, But Particularly, you know, when you draft guys, let's tell you, you draft a guy with a lot of potential in the first round of the draft. He may not, you know, be a superstar in year one, but eventually, you know, they get they get better. They have potential and they get better. I think that also applies to GMs and and head coaches. I Um, I agree. And and it's difficult because sometimes, you know, you have to accept that they're going to make mistakes or they're going to, you know, they learn. As they get better and generally, you know, they become a better head coach in their second year than they were in their first year and their third third year, they're better than they were in their second year, et cetera, et cetera. Because, yeah. you know, unless they've done it before or done it for a long period of time, you know, they're in a learning curve like like everybody else. Yeah, Bill, Belichick's the, Bill Belichick's a great example of that. that that's that's a great yeah.
1: point, Peter. I was just going through my my memory bank, trying to think when is the last time the Browns had. Head coach who had prior experience as a head coach. It's it, we almost I mean, even going back to Bill Belichick. It was his first go at it, right? I mean, we, we're always the, the proving ground for these guys, and then you know, yeah. a couple of years later, they're gone from here, and they either go on to do something else successfully or they don't. You know, so I mean, we we, we really have no basis of comparison to 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 think about you know how coaches evolve mm. like that because we're always breaking them in
2: yeah yeah and I, and, I, and I i just i just look at it like anybody in any walk of life whatever it is you're doing you generally get better at it, it. you know right. the more years you do it that's right and i think that's exactly the same for coaches and gms
1: well, we've got a couple of really that's young guys here that that um, i think have have proven their ability to Get better and and be you know s- stabilizing forces for our organization. Um, I was talking to some uh, Panther fans as I was waiting to get off the ship, and um, they would desperately love to have the stability of our organization. Which you know how long mm-hmm. how long has it been since you heard anybody say that about the Browns?
0: <laughs> Don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Anyways, guys, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on here. Um I don't want to get into the whole Joe Flacco practice squad thing. I'm going to assume that's just going to kind of work itself out um, right. yeah. and all that, but um it, it, Jeff, I'm going to go to you with this because I'm really dying to hear what you have to say about this because <laughs> um there there still seems to be some kind of question about who the starter is going to be a quarterback on yeah. Sunday. So, what are your thoughts between Joe Flacco and DTR, assuming he's ready to play? I'm not even sure if he's been cleared entirely yet.
1: Yeah, I think DTR is still going to be a concussion protocol. So, it's probably a moot question this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I'll just go back to what I said at the beginning. You know, I mean, if, if, if it was a podcast, Um, you know, DTR was your starter until he got hurt. Okay. Um, once he clears concussion protocol, he should go back to being your starter. Joe Flacco was brought in here for veteran depth. Um, I don't think, you know, rolling him out for one week changes that now, you know, if, if for some reason, DTR doesn't perform, you know, um, starts to really make you rethink that, you know, the decision to make him the starter, um, you know, then maybe you have to do something else. But I am of the opinion right now that, that the Browns, while they can technically still make the playoffs, I don't think this is a playoff team this year. And it's just due to the adversity that we've faced, which is something we seem to face, you know, for decades. Um, so if I'm if I'm building an organization the right way, I'm not um, selling out for Joe Flacco this year to try to win maybe one more game because I don't think the numbers between Joe Flacco and DTR are all that different. Um, I'm not selling out to to you know try to get deeper into the playoffs with him at the expense of playing. rookie who i think is going to be here for a very long time and when you listen to andrew Berry's press conference he talked about this being an opportunity at quarterback i think it's an opportunity for dtr to establish himself as a viable backup because we know that deshaun watson is probably not going to stay healthy for an entire season
0: interesting and the thing for me and then i'm going to go right to peter is the fact that the offense is different with these two guys out there definitely so it it's very different so peter what what are your thoughts on this as to who you would assuming both guys are available sunday yeah. what do you think should happen
2: uh, for, for for me it, it would be dtr starting um for, for mainly for the reasons that jeff's just described and and i think you you have to ask yourself, which one of the two gives you a better chance to win? And if there's not a lot in that answer, then I think you go with the young guy that's going to be with your organization going forwards. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, and again, we've just seen the one game from Joe Flacco, but I, but I think with a veteran of that type, I think you knew exactly what you were going to get there give or take one or two you know you, you pretty much knew what you were gonna what you were gonna get if if dtr is ready to go and let's 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 hope he is and if he's not ready to go this week then next week then i think he, i think he's the guy going forwards uh you know until deshaun watson comes back you know and uh, whilst he's whilst he's a rookie as a guy that's you know Started forty eight games in college, so he's so he's <sighs> not a guy that stopped, just played one year in college. This is a you mm. know a five year player in college that started forty eight games, and I, I, I think he gives you obviously not just the throwing ability, but the ability to move and pick up yards with these legs as well. And, and for me, that's where that's the route I would go. So I hundred percent concur with Jeff. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you guys, but I may have to disagree with you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I, I think it's really hard to, to know which guy gives you the better chance to, to win, honestly. Um, cause we, we've seen good things from DTR. Um, and I, honestly, if, if Flacco doesn't have so many drops, which is probably because of his lack of practice and playing time with the receivers, um, I'm going to give the receivers a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Um, you know, he could have easily thrown for 300 yards last week. Um, you know, so it's a it's a dimension that I don't think that we can get from, from DTR. I don't think he's going to put up those kind of passing numbers. Um, you know, he can throw the ball, but he's, you know, a good game for him is going to be 175 yards passing. It's going to be a different type of game. And with the way the Browns have not been able to run the ball. Um, it almost feels like they need to look at some things a little differently on offense and Flacco's immobility was really not an issue Sunday until late in the game. Um, he was able to get rid of the ball. He was able to move just enough most of the time. Um, so, so yeah, the Browns gave up a couple of sacks, but by that point the game was over. So it really didn't matter. So, um, it'll be interesting to see because I'm with you, Jeff. I think he's probably going to play this Sunday, anyways. It'll be interesting to see if the uh, if the connection between he and the receivers is better this week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If it is, and the offense does better, then um, you know, especially if they could, if um, you know, if if they can get a win against the Jags. Then, you know, I, I think they still have a shot, and I think if you have a shot to make the playoffs, I think you have to go for it. So, yeah. Um,
1: well, I think you'll know that this week. I think. I, um, I think so know, too. If, assuming that DTR is healthy, um, I again, I my preface that by saying that I, I, the latest report right now is that he probably will not get out of the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. So, so the odds are we're going to see Joe Flacco again this week somehow. However, Andrew Berry works the roster magic to make that happen. Um, But um, I think, you know, looking at the rest of the schedule, you know, the five regular season games that are left, um, you know, the Browns probably need to come up with three to four wins to assure themselves of a playoff spot. Um, It may be tough with only three. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: And, three, you know, three
0: gives them a shot yeah've
1: we've, we've got a couple of games on the schedule with teams that are I think an absolute mess that you know if if we play anywhere near our abilities at home we, those should count as wins so it mm-hmm. really is going to come down to what happens in those other three games yeah. and you know which Browns team shows up um, mm-hmm. I think it ha- it has less to do with who starts at quarterback than the effort that you get from the other 52 guys.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right It's about um, It's about taking care of the football For the most part um, <laughs> Yeah, that's been the that, you know, That's been so, the
1: common denominator all season
0: Yeah, I mean save, save the Texans game um, Where, yeah Where you're probably going to have to put up a lot of points for you're going to compete But that's yeah. that's looking more and more like the uh, The toughest game left on the schedule mm. So so we'll see So, yeah um, so yeah, the Browns are playing the the uh, are Real quick here, and I know we're we're getting here we're getting to be, to be a little bit late here pushing up against Peter's bedtime and all, but um the Browns are going are, are it looks like they're probably going to get Denzel Ward and Marquise Goodwin back this week possibly, um, which both of those guys could help. Um, it'd Be good to get both of those guys back. Um, I think the Browns really miss Denzel when he's not out there. And the Browns' defense, as good as it is, it's just not the same when Denzel's not playing. Right. Um, it's just totally different.
1: There's a and, ripple effect, and, and, and Greg yeah. Newsome just is not yet in his career a number one cornerback.
0: No, he's not. Um And I don't know the way he gets burned by some guys. I don't know if he's going to get to be a number one guy. I mean, he's a good player, but I don't know if he's ever going to be in Downsell's class. Um, Yeah. um, Trevor Lawrence. uh, I don't know if you guys were watching the game, but um, yeah, when he, when he got hurt, it looked like um, it looked like he was going to be out for a while. Now I guess there's a possibility he'll play, but it's the, the high ankle sprain and, if, if the Jags are smart, I think you rest him, don't you? Probably. Which obviously gives the Browns a better chance. I would really rather not have him out there, even if he's yeah. hurt. Yeah. Um, You know, the Jaguars still have some good players. So, um, P- Peter, what, what are your thoughts about the Browns' chances in this
2: game if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play? I think the Browns win if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play. So I, for, for, so I I think that you know I think that's a huge huge again it goes back to this you know we talked about teams how many teams can cope with losing their starting quarterback um, mm-hmm. you know and then you look at you know that would be C J Bethard that would come in and start probably for the Jaguars if if um, Lawrence can't can't go you know and and, that, yeah. and that's a guy that's not started a game in the NFL for three seasons. Now He's only thrown 14 passes this season. And, Mm. you know, I, for me, it's a huge, this is a huge, huge opportunity for, for the Browns, whoever starts at quarterback for the Browns, Christian Kirk's not going to play for the Jags either. They're leading. He's, you know, he's out for a number of weeks, if not the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think I think this is a huge opportunity for for the Browns, and I think it's a game they they absolutely win if Trevor Lawrence isn't playing. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, on yeah, paper,
1: that, on paper, you're 100 percent correct, Peter. Um, we just have to remember that the Browns have a way of, of beating <laughs> themselves quite often.
2: Well, and, yeah. I, and I think I th- yeah, and I think from the outside looking in, if there's if there's one one, you know without stating the obvious, I'm going to state the obvious. If there's one thing across the board that the Browns need to improve on, don't turn the ball over. Right. Yeah. That's the, you know, 24 giveaways for the Browns this season. Um, And it almost goes without saying every, the five games that the Browns have lost, they've lost the turnover battle in each of those games. Mm -hmm. And Mm. Yeah. You know they have won games where they've lost the turnover battle, but they haven't won games. You know they're they're three and zero when they don't lose the turnover battle. Let's put it like that. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. to have that number of giveaways, I think that's the thing. I mean, if you look, you're a seven and five team, and you know with with that bad a turnover ratio, I think if you could <laughs> turn that around, just don't turn around the turnover ratio. Um, I think you know I I think that. I think the Browns are a playoff team, guys. I do, um, yeah. and, uh, and even with the quarterback difficulties and, and 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 all of that, providing don't give the football away.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. a big
2: one. It it has been.
0: Yeah, let's let's hope it uh, let's hope it becomes less of an issue. Let's put it that way. So, so guys. Um, Vegas believes that Trevor Lawrence is not going to play in this game. Um, The Browns, I I don't know what this opened up as. I think the Jags were some kind of favorite initially. Um, But the Browns are now a a three-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Um, The over-under is is 30-and-a-half. Abysmal. 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 So uh, Vegas <laughs> predicting a uh, the lowest one a,
1: you'll see all year.
0: Yeah, either a, just an awful game or or a snowstorm. One of the two. I'm not <laughs> sure which. <laughs> it might be too early to look ahead to the weather, Jeff. But could uh, could be both. I mean, yeah. Or, or is there supposed to be a blizzard blizzard in Cleveland on Sunday? Uh, yeah. So uh, f-
1: 51 degrees and 85 percent chance of rain. 51 well, for the high, and it's it's going to get colder at night. So, um, yeah. So uh, you know, sun, Sunday afternoon, 51 degrees, and, and rain is not you know is not a blueprint for a, a, a fine offensive showing by either team.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll have to find out here in a minute if you're um, thinking about taking the under on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay any any thoughts on this game guys or would you like to move right into some predictions
1: i'm go for predictions
0: yep okay uh, peter you're the guest the guest generally gets to win and go first <laughs> <laughs>
2: so uh so we'll let you go we'll let you go ahead sure uh, and i'm working on the assumption that trevor lawrence doesn't doesn't play mm-hmm. um on, on that basis. I think the Browns win this game. So I don't see how Jacksonville moves the ball consistently, if at all in this game. So I, I am, I'm going for the Browns to win this game. 21 to nine. Ooh, nice. Three, three field goals for Jacksonville. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I actually like that Peter. Um, and in fact, Peter, Peter is taking the under by a skinny half point. Um, Ooh. Which I also agree with. Um, I, yeah, I I think our our defense, um, if if they aren't em- embarrassed and humiliated by what's happened the last two weeks um, enough to uh, rise to the occasion at home this week, then you really have to question you know where the where the we're going with this defense. Um, mm-hmm. The league has has figured it out to a certain extent, I think. Um, and now it's time for Jim Shor- Jim Schwartz to make some adjustments and get these guys to step up this week. So I, I agree with Peter 100%. We're going to hold them to three field goals. Um, I'm not as optimistic about our ability to score. Um, I'm going to go with one touchdown and a couple field goals, so 13-9 to nine Browns um, and take the under. And I agree, assuming, assuming that uh, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play but uh, I think even if he does play, the, the weather conditions will probably be so horrendous that I don't think it, that it'll change it all that much.
0: Okay, well I'm I'm going to go somewhere in between you guys, kind of. Um, except I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over, but just barely in this game. So. I'm gonna. I have the Browns duplicating their offensive output from last week at 19 points, and I get the Jags uh, scoring 13, um, just because uh, the Browns' offense may put them in a position to get a field goal or a touchdown or something like that. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I guess we'll have to see how bad the weather is going to be. But yeah, I I've got 32 points, so I'm taking the over, but not very confidently guys
1: <laughs> <laughs> just barely
0: just barely yeah I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of excitement or uh, or uh, points in this game either way but yeah. uh, you know a, a W is what we're looking for yeah sounds good so so all right we're uh, we're gonna close things out here so uh, so Peter it's been great talking to you we thank you for uh, Thank you for joining us tonight. Is there
2: anything you would like to leave the listeners with? <laughs> well, firstly, I want to say thank you, Rod, for inviting me on again. I enjoy every time. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to good to hear from you again. And um, yeah. I, I, as I say, from the outside looking in, Rod, I, I think I think Browns fans have have a lot to be optimistic about. To be seven and five, having gone through. The level of turmoil at quarterback and losing one of the elite running backs in this league is actually pretty damn good. And uh, just just be optimistic because because it's a team that's not that far away, you know. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Jeff, closing words
1: for us? Just because I say that, you know, I don't think this is a, a playoff team this year. Doesn't mean that that I'm disappointed in this team. I, th- I think I feel really good about where our organization is now. Um, you know the the leadership, um, the, the roster. Um, you know we've just had some unfortunate things happen this year, which has you know actually been pretty commonplace throughout the league this year. Uh, if we had had a few breaks go our way, um, guys did not get hurt. Um, you know we we. This would be a great opportunity year for us, I think, to you know, make some noise in the AFC. And I think we're poised to do that. So I, I do feel good about the team. I just don't feel good about where we are right now, health-wise, and that, that has affected our performance. Um, you know, I, A few weeks ago, I was pretty confident that you know, we could string some wins together and, and be playing our best football at the end of the season. Um, based on what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I'm not so confident anymore, you know, but again, that doesn't mean I don't like the team. I I feel really good about our organization. And, um, you know, regardless of what happens this year, I think the
0: Browns are in good hands going forward. Amen. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.